Well, if you if you did not guess already from the uh, the purple decorations around the church, uh, we are now in the season of Advent. Advent is the season between I'm not ready for Christmas and Christmas is here anyway. So hopefully uh, we will take this time of Advent to prepare for Christmas. Um, Advent is this kind of um, uh, it, it's it's a hard season. It's a hard season because because Christmas is fun and Advent is not especially fun. Um, Advent has its own music and you know christmas songs are all about you know uh well to judge from the 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 stores i've been in about drinking and carousing but um but uh but they're also about you know good times with family and and friends and and uh, eggnog and all that other good stuff and uh, advent songs are mostly about hurrying up or or waiting and 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 they're just this kind of they're just not quite as much fun as christmas songs and and that's really kind of characteristic of the holiday as a whole so, so what we're going to do uh, during the next couple of, of weeks as we endure Advent, I'm going to smuggle some Christmas songs in. We heard a Christmas song earlier today from from uh, Cameroon. He came down, and we're gonna we're gonna smuggle in some more Christmas songs during Advent. But but we're gonna try and also uh, uh, take Advent seriously as a season in the church year, and we're going to try to try to get ready. We're gonna try to wait. We're gonna try to hurry up. We're gonna try to do all the things that Advent tells us to do. Um, and, and the way I want to do that is I want to look at one of those uh, Advent songs. The, the Advent song we just sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's one of the more popular um, Advent songs. That's a low bar, but uh, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel jumps over it. And uh, so most people know it. Sometimes, once in a while, you'll hear it in a grocery store, but, but it's, not, it's not really a Christmas song. It's just not that popular. So we're going to be uh, looking at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel as kind of a, an example of all the other Advent songs, because there's, there's some, some real depth in it. Um, and, and so we're going to look at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, it, is, it is an example of, of everything that, that makes a song troublesome. Okay, it's, it's translated. Okay, you might have noticed some of the places, it's, and death's dark shadow, to flight, right? Probably in some other language that all just kind of rolls out naturally, but in English you've got to kind of stutter to make it work. So put uh, uh, to flight, right? Um, it's translated from Latin. It's an ancient song. It goes back uh, uh, possibly as early as the sixth century. Certainly by the eighth century, uh, the the it was part of something called the O antiphons, part of the the Christian Mass. It is it is a very ancient um, uh, uh, part of the the Christian worship experience. Um, and so it is in Latin, but then it was translated in English, English just in the nick of time so they could put obscure, new obscure terms in it like um, thee and thine. So it's got its own obscure terms like Emmanuel, but it's also got new obscure ones from English. So, so it's full of obscure words. Um, the, the rhythm's a little odd, and of course it's kind of a mournful, oh come, oh come. So we're going to be looking at that all month long. What, what fun can, can I work out for you people? So... So we're going to be doing that all month long. But the reason is because there's some real depth in it as well. There's a reason it's endured since the 6th or, or maybe the 8th century. Um, because there is so much depth in it. And, and today we're going to look at one of the places it is a very deep, deep song. And that is the title itself, the word Emmanuel. What does it mean for Emmanuel to come? Uh, the word Emmanuel is an obscure term. It, it actually literally means um, God is with us. And you would think that sounds like the Bible, right? That sounds that sounds like a pretty basic concept for people who believe in God that that God would be with them. That would be a pretty basic term. 
but it's actually not. It's only used three places in the entire Bible, uh, two in, in the book of Isaiah and one in the book of Matthew. And it's such an obscure term that it's even spelled differently in those two places. So in the Old Testament, it's spelled with an I, um, and in the New Testament, it's spelled with an E. Uh, for some reason, the Greek ear, when Matthew was writing the New Te- or his, his part of the New Testament, the Greek ear looked at that I-M and said, M, hmm, no, don't, don't, don't like that. And so they translated it, uh, they put an E in there, so it became a manual. And from what I, my ears are telling me, we're kind of sh- moving it back in the direction of the I sound. So, so two, two different spellings, only three times in the whole Bible. It's an obscure word, even though it should be a pretty simple concept, right? God is with us. It means God is with us. God is, God is behind us. God's in our corner. God's got our back. Um, uh, you know, sometimes people have misused it. They mean God is with me and not you. It, it doesn't really have that meaning. What it means is simply that, that God's on my side. God, God is, is here to support me. That God will do whatever it takes. God is willing and able to do whatever it takes to help me get through this situation I'm in. Uh, Emmanuel means God is on my side. God has my back. So, so that's what it means, but, it's it's not as easy to believe sometimes as it is to understand. It's easy to understand, and and sometimes it's easy to believe when when our circumstances are right, when when everything is just just peachy for us. It's easy to believe. Yeah, of course, God has blessed me. God's got my back. Um, you know, you're sitting there on Thanksgiving Day, your belly's filled, you're you know all cozy and warm. You're watching the game on TV, and sure, of course, it's easy to believe that God's got your back. When you go out for Black Friday shopping and you know you you successfully navigate the streets, you get to the you get to the mall, you find parking, you get in there and they still have the item. Um, yeah, God's got your back. God's God's on your side. When when things are going well at work or or uh, when your your family's getting along, when you know the wife and husband, you know the the mom, dad, whatever that looks like, when everything is going fine, it's easy to believe that God has your back. But sometimes. It's harder to see that. Sometimes our circumstances make us wonder, does God in fact have our back? Is God on our side? Is God with us? So what I want to do today is I want to look at not, not just one, we get a bonus, uh, a scripture today, um, not just the passage from Matthew, but also the passage that Matthew was concerned with, the passage from Isaiah where we first hear about Emmanuel, God being with us. Because, because Isaiah presents it as kind of a, here it is, believe it. But Matthew looks at it through the lens of Jesus. Matthew looks at, at what Isaiah is talking about and says, this is so much easier to understand when Jesus is in the picture. Because Jesus helps us to see that God is with us even when our circumstances don't make us think so. When, when, when our circumstances maybe even make it hard for us to believe it, by looking at it in the light of Jesus, we can see that God is with us. So what I want to do is I want to go ahead and take a look now at this passage um, of uh, Isaiah. Um, Isaiah, uh, we're looking at uh, the, the, the scripture from Isaiah, and Isaiah is writing about 700, 730 years before the time of Christ. And uh, he's, he's a, a prophet in the southern kingdom of Jerusalem. If you were here last week, we heard that uh, Jerusalem... At the time of King David was a single kingdom. It was a unified kingdom. But, uh, because of bad leadership, uh, the southern kingdom wasn't able to, uh, to, uh, 
command the loyalty of the whole rest of Israel. So all but a little part of Israel split off and became what's called the northern kingdom. The, the, the part around Jerusalem, Judah, it stayed and became the southern kingdom. And Ahaz is a king of the southern kingdom. In fact, I've got a map up here. Yes, so there it is. So um, Ahaz is a king of the little yellow spot there. Um, it says Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, uh, north of there is the northern kingdom. North of there is a country called Aramea, uh, which is in what is today modern Syria. And then off to the, the north and east of there is what historians tell us was the first empire in the world. The the When the whole concept of being an empire first caught on, um, was the Assyrian Empire centered around Nineveh. It's the upper part of the, the Fertile Crescent. And and so that's kind of the geopolitical scene at the time of this story. And um, basically what it means is that Ahaz has to be a really clever statesman because there's all kinds of things going on. He's got threats every which way he looks, and and he's not really up to the task. That's his problem. We learned last week Ahaz is a bad king, but he's also a bad statesman. So that's kind of the situation we're at. And Isaiah goes to him and says, says, it's okay, God's got your back. And I, he must not have believed it because as our story picks up in verse 10, it says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz saying, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol, as deep as the grave, or as high as heaven. And Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Now that sounds religious. Ahaz is quoting um, from the book of Deuteronomy. He's saying, he's, you know, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying, I'm not going to do that. But but we know enough about the life of Ahaz. We know he's a bad king. We heard last week about what, what a bad king was. If you weren't here last week, you can listen online. But Ahaz was a bad king and uh, did all kinds of terrible things. He's not really religious. What he's doing is I think something a lot of us do, I know I do it, uh, which is he's keeping his, his options open, right? I may have a suspicion that God wants me to do such and such, but if I go like read the Bible or I pray about it, then I'll find out for sure. And, and so, you know, I'm, I kind of want to keep my options open because then I can go on my own path. And Ahaz is the same way. Ahaz does not want to put God to the test, even though he's been instructed to put God to the test. He doesn't want to because he wants to keep his options open. He wants, uh, can, can I have the map again? Um, uh, he, what he's going to do is he's going to try and cut a deal with Assyria, the, the really big power, to, to take these two guys off his back. At the time of the story, he's surrounded. His country is surrounded and, and Jerusalem is besieged by the northern kingdom of Israel and Aramea. They've actually surrounded uh, Jerusalem and his his city is besieged by these two invaders. He wants to cut a deal with Assyria. He's been told not to do that. He's been sold, told to trust God. He doesn't want to trust God. He wants to trust his statesmanship. So so that's his problem. He says, "I'm not going to put the Lord to the test." And Isaiah says, Isaiah says, um, "Hear then, O house of David." And and I, I love that because that's kind of just a little drive-by um, insult. He's saying. Once upon a time, there was a king named David, and you've got the pedigree, but there's nothing else about you that's like David. You're not a great king, you don't run a big country, and you don't trust God. He says, here there's no house of, of David. You're related to him, but that's about it. Isn't it enough 
that you wear out people? Is it too little for you to weary mortals? Isn't it enough that you wear out people? You're going to wear out God too with this religious stuff. You're going to try and, you, Ahaz, you're going to try and be religious. You're going to try not to put God to the test. Well, I'll tell you what, God's going to give you a sign anyway. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And then he says, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He says, he says that there's a, a young woman somewhere. We don't know who, uh, scholars speculate it's, uh, Isaiah's wife or some other. There's some young woman who's pregnant and Isaiah refers to her. So we know he's talking about a period of time at most nine months. Um, within nine months, she's going to have a baby and Isaiah says, it'll be a son. And, uh, when, when they name him Emmanuel, that'll be a sign that God is, is, uh, in your corner, that God has your back. And before he's, uh, more than a toddler, when he's still eating soft food, uh, these two problems that you see when you look out from the, the gates of, of Jerusalem, when you see these armies out in front of you, uh, by the time he's a toddler, uh, they won't be a problem for you anymore. What'll happen is they're going to have trouble of their own with Assyria. They're going to disappear. You won't have a problem anymore. He says, and you, the sign for that, the sign that that's going to happen is the son who's going to be born. So that's what, that's what Isaiah is getting at. Isaiah is getting at uh, how God has given um, Ahaz a sign. But what I want to do now is in light of that, look at what it was that made Matthew get so excited. Matthew tells us about how uh, Mary was was betrothed to Jesus, I mean, uh, to Joseph, and uh, it was found out that she was pregnant, and Joseph was planning to divorce her quietly so that she wouldn't be uh, disgraced. And then a, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, don't do that. Uh, this is God's son. And he says, he says, um, she will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that's what the angel tells Joseph. And then Matthew says, oh, oh, I get it. I see what makes this so cool, what God has done here. He says, he says, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then he refers back to this passage in Isaiah. He says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. He says, he says, I get it. I see how Jesus is going to be a savior. When he's an adult, he will save his people from their sin. But in the meantime, he's a sign, just like in the book of Isaiah, but more so. Jesus is everything we see in Isaiah, only more so. Jesus is not a sign for a single king, King Ahaz, He's a sign for all the people. He's not going to save a, a, a king from a one sin of having made bad judgment in his alliances. He's not going to, to save him from one situation. He's surrounded by these conquering armies. He's going to save his people, all the people, from every kind of sin. So he says, it's just like Isaiah, only more so. And he says, the the the... The way that Jesus is more than the salvation we see in Isaiah is reflected in the fact that in Isaiah, the child is, is a child of a young woman, an everyday miracle. Nobody thinks of, of a pregnancy as a miracle except the parents, 
right? Everybody else says she got pregnant. Okay, fine, right? But parents know it's a little miracle. And, and so, so he says, this is a big miracle, like the story of Isaiah is a small miracle. Instead of a young woman, it's a one of a kind event. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. And instead of being some proud father's son, the child will be God's own son. It's just like in Isaiah, but more so. In Isaiah, we hear that God is with us in heaven. But the angel has told Joseph that Jesus is God with us here on earth. Jesus shows that God is with us, just like in Isaiah, but more so. And the thing is, for God to be with us, God has to be with you. God has to be with me. God has to be with us individually. God has to be with us. God has to be available to us. Not just, not just off in the corner in our back, you know, watching our back. God has to be available to us. And Jesus is. Jesus is available to us. He is, he is strong to save, but he's also ready to listen. He's, he's a strong arm to lean on or a strong back to carry our burdens, but he's also a word of timely counsel. Jesus is available to us in a way that Isaiah could only dream of. You know, when, when the angel tells Jesus, uh, tells Joseph that Jesus is uh, born to save his people from their sins, I think if you've been in church a lot, uh, probably where your, where your mind goes is the cross, that Jesus, Jesus died to, to pay for my sin, um, that, that because of what Jesus did, um, the things that, that were between me and God, the things that were blocking God from me have been, have been swept away, that, that they've been cleaned away from me. And, and I think that that's true. But if we, like Matthew, can look at Jesus in light of Isaiah, if we can look at what it means for Jesus to be Emmanuel, Picture the situation a little differently. I think it's true that Jesus died to pay for my sins, but suppose he also died to save me the way uh, he came to save me um, in the way that Ahaz was saved from the army. Imagine the problems that that you face, your sins um, and and just your everyday problems, the the fact that we live in a sinful world, everyday problems and the, the things we do ourselves. Um, if we think of them, imagine an army. You're, you're a King Ahaz looking out on this army that's surrounded you, that's got you backed into a corner, that's got you outnumbered and outgunned. If you picture the situation at work, you know, the thing that, that you're not sure if you're gonna, if you're gonna survive the next round of headcount reductions. The, the thing at school where you know that you didn't study and the test is tomorrow. Where, where the, 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 the thing in your relationship, the, the relationship that, that you had hoped would be different and is not. It's, it's, it's what it is and you had hoped so much more. You had hoped that it would develop into something better. And, and she said no. Or, or, or you had hoped for something to be different with your parents or with your children and it's just not what you had hoped for. Uh, the, the thing in your finances, picture it in light of Isaiah, it's an army that's got you backed against the wall. 
You're outnumbered. Matthew tells us that Jesus is a sign. He's not just a Savior, but he's a sign that God is with us. That if we wait, if we wait on God, in God's timing, he will save us from our sins. He will save us from from our own sins and the consequences of living in a sin-filled world. He will save us from our problems. What would it look like if we see the church as a place where God is with us? What would it look like if our community of faith is a place where we experience God with us? You know, I think, I think to myself that, that it would be, it would be a different place if we could see what God is doing among us, if we could see lives being changed. I wonder what it would look like from the outside. Uh, you know, if people looked at us and said, why are those people so reckless? Why, why are they so bold? And the reason is because they know God has their back. That we experience that week after week after week. We understand that God is in our corner. God is, God is cheering us on. And it makes us bold. And it does more. When people ask us, you know, I, I, I'd like to believe in the God you do, but I, I just don't believe in, in, in that God. You could say, well, you know, I belong to this community and, and we gather every week because we know where he hangs out. I believe in God because God is with us every Sunday. Or somebody says, you know, I'd like to, to, to have a relationship with God. I believe in God. I just don't think I could have a relationship. I don't think God cares about someone like me because of things in my past, because of the things that have been done to me or the things I've done myself. And you could say, well, you know what? I belong to a community where God is with us. And you know what? Uh, people in that community have got stories uh, as bad as yours, worse than yours. I belong to a community where just this past Sunday, I was thinking about you and God told me I needed to pray for you. So I think God does care about you. Emmanuel means God is with us. means God with us as individuals and as a community of faith. And it's my prayer during Advent that God will be with us in this way. Amen.